Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya, Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya, Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Ajnanatvarandasya Gyananjana Shalakaya Chakshura Militam Yena Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha. So, Prabhupada begins this eighth canto in a sweet way. He gives a little history or autobiographical history. Uh, he says, first of all, let me offer my humble and respectful obeisances unto the lotus feet of my spiritual master, his divine grace, Sri Srimad Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Goswami Prabhupada. Sometime in the year 1935, when his divine grace was staying at Radha Kunda, I went to see him from, Mumbai, from Bombay. At that time, he gave me many important instructions in regard to constructing temples and publishing books. He personally told me that publishing books is more important than constructing temples. Of course, those same instructions remained with, in my mind for many years. In 1944, I began publishing my Back to Godhead. And when I retired from family life in 1958, I began publishing Srimad Bhagavatam in Delhi. When three parts of Srimad Bhagavatam had been published in India, I then started for the United States of America on the 13th of August, 1965. I am continuously trying to publish books as suggested by my spiritual master. Now in this year, 1976, I have completed the seventh canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam, and a summary study of the 10th canto has already been published as Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Still, the 8th canto, 9th canto, 10th canto, 11th canto, and 12th cantos are yet to be published. On this occasion, therefore, I am praying to my spiritual master to give me strength to finish this work. I am neither a great scholar nor a great devotee. I am simply a humble servant of my spiritual master. And to the best of my ability, I am trying to please him by publishing these books with the cooperation of my disciples in America. Fortunately, scholars all over the world are appreciating these publications. Let us cooperatively publish more and more volumes of Srimad Bhagavatam just to please his divine grace, Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur. Jai. So now let us begin. Verse number one, King Parikshit said, My dear Lord, my spiritual master, now I have fully heard from your grace about the dynasty of Swayambhuvamanu, because that's what we've been hearing for many cantos, right? But there are also other Manus, and I want to hear about their dynasties. Kindly describe them to us. A learned Pramana Sukadeva Goswami, the great learned persons who are completely intelligent describe the activities and appearance of the Supreme Personality of Godhead during the various Manvantaras. We are very eager to hear about these narrations. Kindly describe them. Okay, so then in the uh, purport, there's a discussion about. Um, there's various incarnations, guna avatars, panvantara avatars, lila avatars, yoga avatars uh, that are mentioned in the, uh, so the, what we're hearing about now are the manus and the manvantara avatars. Um, and just to give you some idea about the time at the end of the purport, um, there are 14 manus during a day of Brahma and the age of each manu lasts for 71 yuga cycles. <laughs> Thus, there are thousands of Manus during the life of Brahma. So, gives you a little idea of um, 
of time. <laughs> and, you know, so time is a big discussion these days, right? Because we had the New Year's yesterday and people are looking back at 2021 in all kinds of interesting ways. I always find it's, it's interesting that um, in the media every year, there's always a discussion about those who passed away in the previous year. And, but there's no real philosophical pause to, to think, why do we have to die? And, and to think of uh, the inevitability of death and the philosophical aspects of death. And, and then furthermore, the fact that actually the soul never dies. And there's all kinds of that discussions that could be around there. But every year, of course, naturally, um, many people die. And, and that includes famous people that are um, included in uh, in the media. Um, the most famous one was this uh, Betty White just passed away just prior to being a, turning 100 years old um, and a famous TV personality. <clears throat> okay, so we'll continue. But you see how, <laughs> how the Bhagavatam broadens our vision um, even in, in almost, almost indirectly, right? We're not like, you know, we're just reading along and hearing about, uh, hearing Maharaj Prichit's question um, about tell me more about the, uh, the appearance of the Lord as Manmantars. But then in the Prabhupada matter, matter of factly says uh, there are 14 Manus in a day of Brahma. So there's a day and there's a night of Brahma and then he lives for 100 years. And, and then, the, but in the age of each Brahma, there's 71 yuga cycles, uh, Satya, Treta, Dvapara, Kali, 71 of those, just, just for a day of, uh, that's just for the age of Manu. And then Manu lives for the one day of Brahma. So then all of a sudden, we've, we get these astronomical calculations. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna, yes, Kudaspu. Hari uh, well Dandavats and obeisances to all the devotees. Um, I um, I agree with you completely about the uh, material media list of people who who died. But what's interesting for me is um, something I just realized. I guess is that um, those personalities are noted because of their um contributions in some way you know uh, to the world and um not that not that those are so earth-shaking but uh how how significant at one time they were in somebody's life you know or or um you know that uh so-and-so might have served as a role model or as a you right. know, impact of, uh, impactful uh, personality or the movies they made or, or, or something had a, you know, uh, uh, effect on somebody's consciousness. So that, uh, that in addition to what you said, you said, which I uh, agree with, uh, I wanted to mention yeah. this. And, and, yes, thank you for that. And Srila Prabhupada would point out, and Lord Chaitanya pointed out this, that um, <clears throat> that famous fleeting um, 
whereas the fame of uh like you know spiritual personalities especially seems to be much well, not seems to be as much more enduring you know lord jesus um is you know front and center in people's lives two thousand years later um whereas you know liberace is not or <laughs> you know or we some i'm sure there's some people on this call who never heard of liberace <laughs> And don't worry, you're not missing any, you know, any big thing. Um, but yeah, uh, I remember one time um, selling a uh, a book to a younger person, and I said, "Oh, you know, George Harrison was into this." He said, "Who's George Harrison?" <laughs> <laughs> you know, and at one time in the uh, late '60s, those four Beatles were some of the most famous people in the world, right? So. The, and Krishna is well known now thousands of years later, what speak of Lord Ram millions of years later. Um, so yeah, that uh, that's a that was asked, Lord Chaitanya was asked that it's in the Chaitanya Charitamritra, right? Who's the most famous who, who has the most fame? And that is, you know, the devotee of the devotee. Yeah, well, in that, in, in that sense, George Harrison deserves uh yeah, yes, but uh yeah, but. Yes, of course, that's true. <laughs> Anything else on the time factor? Okay, then let us continue. We're on, um, for those who are just joining, we're on Canto 8, Chapter 1, verse number 4 now. So Gabriel Swami said, in the present Kalpa, there are already six Manus. <laughs> I have described to you Swayambhuva Manu and the appearance of many demigods. In this kalpa of Brahma, Swayambhuva is the first Manu. Swayambhuva Manu had two daughters named Akuti and Devahuti. From their wombs, the Supreme Personality of God had appeared as two sons, named, namely Jagyamurti and Kapila, respectively. These sons were entrusted with preaching about religion and knowledge. So uh, Jagyamurti preached about religion and Kapila about knowledge. So then in text six, we're going up to which one is the first verse that we're discussing today is my computer cooperates. Seven. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so text six. Oh, best of the gurus. I have already described. Oh, wait, is that already? Yeah, that's Sukadev Goswami's. Oh, best of the gurus. I've already described in the third canto of the activities of Kapila, the son of Devahuti. Now I shall describe the activities of Jagyapati, the son of Akuti. Swayambhuva Manu, the husband of Satyarupa, was by nature not at all attached to enjoyment of the senses. Thus, um, he gave up his kingdom of sense enjoyment and entered the forest with his wife to practice austerities. <clears throat> So that's, uh, it's also, you know, you see here, um, sometimes the husband is, is listed in relationship to his wife. Um, just like we say, uh, what do we say? Shri Chaitanya Nityananda, Shri Advaita Sita, Hari Guru. Well, Sita Pati is sometimes a name for Advaita Acharya. And here, Satyarupa Pati is the name for Swayambhuva Manu. Now, in the purport, uh, Prabhupada says that as stated in the Gita, 
chapter 4, verse 2. The supreme science was thus received through the chain of disciplic succession, and the saintly kings understood it in that way. All the Manus were perfect kings. They were Rajarshis. Uh, Rajarishi is probably the better pronunciation. There's no long A. Rajarishi. In other words, although they held the post as kings of the world, uh, they were as good as great saints. So that's interesting, right? We, we often think of, you know, there's Brahmins, Chatriyas, Vaishya, Sudras, but here they're almost like a combination of kings and Rishi. Um, Swayambhu Vamanu, for example, was the emperor of the world, yet he had no desire for sense gratification. That is the meaning of monarchy. In other words, their whole focus was on service to the praja, to the, the citizens, and they weren't looking out for number one. <laughs> they weren't looking out for themselves. It is not that because one becomes king, he should unnecessarily spend money for sense gratification. As soon as kings became degraded, spending money for sense gratification, they were lost. Similarly, at the present moment, monarchy having been lost, the people have created democracy, which is also failing. Now, Prabhupada wrote this in the 70s, <laughs> And, you know, if you keep tabs with um, the news today, there, there's often articles saying, is, is the democracy in America failing, right? Um, so and that <laughs> seems to be, a, you know, a theme uh, from the 70s till now. Now, by the laws of nature, the time is coming when dictatorship will put the citizens into more and more difficulty. And that we see in certain parts of the world. If the king or dictator individually or but the members of the government collectively cannot maintain the state or kingdom according to the rules of Brahma Sankhita. Certainly their government will not endure. Um, so I just, you know, just to do a quick internet search, um, I just like found articles like, you know, the nine worst monarchs in history, right? And the uh, article goes through, uh, uh, some of them, by the way, were popes, Pope John the 12th, um, King John, the, the King John from, a lot of them were British, it seems, in England, King Richard II, and they go into whole detail about Ivan the Fourth, Ivan the Terrible in Russia, Mary Queens of Scott. And I like that. You can, you know, just supporting what we, and then I also found another one that said the, the world's 10 most corrupt leaders <clears throat> and, and how many funds they embezzled. Uh, one of them was the president Suharto, the president of Indonesia from 1967 to 1998, that he embezzled between 15 and $35 billion <laughs> um, for Danan Marco, five to $10 billion. Anyway, it goes on, there's a list. They had the top 10. The lowest one was um, Estrada from Philippines, which seems to be a, a pattern in the Philippines, by the way. Um, the his was only $80 million. And then they, they, they have pictures of their um, estates where they lived and, you know, gold um, covered bathrooms, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> Just to uh, underscore what, Srila Prabhupada was saying. So um, oh, we are on Canto 8, Chapter 1, verse number 7 right now. Okay. 
Um, just to underscore this point that Shiva Prabhupada is making, um, that when kings became corrupt and were, you know, stashing all the funds away from themselves and overtaxing people, then, you know, everything kind of fell apart. And that's, and that's one, of, one of the reasons, uh, it, it seems, not the only reason, uh, that monarchy has given way to democracy in many parts of the world. And it's not as we can see that democracy has been a perfect system, although the uh, the inference is that it is it is a very good system. Um, and at one time, Prabhupada would sometimes say democracy is demon crazy. At other times, he would say it was the uh, it was the way of government in Kali Yuga, just accepting it in that sense. <clears throat> Um, but whether one is, uh, and, and the whole idea of separation of church and state, and that spirituality has no say in, um, in, in the lives, uh, in the government's influence on, the, on people is, uh, is an interesting construct. And at the same time, again, Prabhupada was very pleased with America that it had freedom of religion that allowed the devotees to uh, go out and spread Krishna consciousness. <laughs> there was one, one monarch, I can't remember his name, it was from Africa, that he actually kind of made worship of him a religion and changed some of the words in the Bible to, to or the Ten Commandments to be focused on him. You know, <laughs> Whoa. that's really something else. So, um, anyway, here Prabhupada is, is stating the uh, importance of that a king actually be a Raja Rishi, one who, um, who knows how to rule and knows philosophically uh, the, and acts properly, not desiring sense gratification. So any questions, comments, thoughts on that? Andy, were you saying something? If you were, you're... Muted. Must have been unmuted the whole time. Uh, yeah, I did. Because the, the reason we need, had to have separation of church and state is because it was corrupt before that. It was corrupted. Right. So they, if you let the church and state together, get together, they make a big uh, a racket that cheats the citizens. That's what it was being used for. Exactly. That's what the founders said. This, gets, this is out of control. Because look at, like you mentioned, the Pope, right? The Pope was more powerful than kings for many centuries, and it was abused terribly. Yeah. And so that's why it was a correction for the corruption. If right. you do so, it the right way, it can be good. Exactly. Exactly. That's the point. That What is it that power corrupts and absolute power corrupts? Absolutely is a saying. I don't know. You know, I've never really thought about it if it's 100% true, but that is the saying. And you're right. That's, that's, and that's the um, hallmark we could say, of uh, Kali Yuga that began with Shringi cursing Maharaj Prikshit, that it was, you know, the beginning of the downfall. Well, this was the Brahmanas, not the Chatriyas yet, the Brahmanas who were, became corrupt and then the, the, and then the Chatriyas, and you're right, it's, and therefore people would look at the idea of monarchy and say, oh, hell no, or, or what to speak of a uh, theistic um, monarchy. For all the reasons that you just stated. Yeah. Um, now, oh, Jiva had his hand up, but he took it down. 
for Ananda Rupa. Okay, anything else on this? Yes, Hare Krishna Prabhu. Yes, uh, Nandimukhi, yes. Happy New Year and Hare Krishna. Happy New Year and Hare Krishna to you too. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was just thinking about Svayam uh, Bhuva Manu, which is mentioned here. I, I was trying to think in a more uh, chronological way. We previously saw that Svayam Bhuva Manu is the first Manu that the that is created that that was born from Brahma in the very very beginning of his life, and here it is we see that also in this verse that the Svayambhuva Manu is the first Manu, um, but at this day of Brahma, Brahma should have already passed fifty years of his life. So I'm. I, I'm recalling like here is the first Manu and does this the same as the very beginning Svayam Bhuva Manu? Is this Manu, does the Svayam Bhuva Manu mention the eighth canto the same as another Manu? The very beginning Svayam Bhuva Manu which supposed to be at the first day of Lord Brahma. I'm not uh, sure. I haven't really studied. We do re- we did read right that uh, it's the same Swayambhuvamana that was mentioned in earlier cantos, but I'm not sure. And and as as a general statement, we know that um, the Bhagavatam isn't very focused on chronolo- chronology as we know it, you know, um, but rather the lessons that are learnt. Um, just like, for example, you could be reading the seventh canto and almost completely forget that it had anything to do with Swayambhuvamana, right? You know, you read about Pallad Maharaj, you read about Varnashram, right? Um, because it's not the focus of it, but I'm not, and I'm not sure. And then sometimes we also read that when um, uh, there's a different description, let's say, of uh, um of one of the incarnations, we we hear that it's because you know there was uh, it was describing different kalpas, but I don't know the the answer to your question. Let's that's why Jiva has his hand up. Maybe he knows. Hare Krishna. So Jambuva Manu is the first Manu in this day of Brahma. After the long night, when Brahma wakes up again, you know he starts the creation again. So that has been described in the Brahma Samhita elaborately, and of course, reference is given in Padma Puran, Srimad Bhagavatam, uh, and multiple uh, references are there. Uh, what is important is like when Srila Prabhupada is saying, democracy is democracy. Is it okay if I share my comment, Prabhu? Yeah. Okay. So when he's calling it that current democracy is democracy and the dictatorship for sense gratification is bad. He's actually hinting if we start with the wrong fundamental, wrong principle, right? So Ambuhamana is called as a saintly king because he understood that the focus is the supreme personality of Godhead, you know, and should be done everything for his pleasure. Even prescribed duty should be executed for his pleasure. So if we start with the wrong principle for sense gratification, which is the current times we see extensively being practiced, of course, the result will be wrong no matter what we pick up, right? right? It doesn't matter what kind of problem we solve. If we say one plus 
one is three, everything is going to fall apart. Right. So, so your point is regardless of the system, if the focus is wrong, it's going to be a problem. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. It's like so many zeros, probably, would say, without the one. Yeah. Yes. Okay, then let us carry on if there's no more comments. We're going up to 10. Not very far. Oh, Sayanaparata, after Swayambhuvamanu had thus entered the forest with his wife, he stood on one leg on the bank of the river Sunanda. And in this way, with, with only one leg touching the earth, he performed great austerities for a hundred years. While performing these austerities, he spoke as follows. So, you know, don't try this at home. Um, but that just shows that he, you know, he was such a Raja Rishi that he, uh, he left home and, and performed austerities like a Rishi would do. Mm. It's kind of like, uh, you know, Bharat Maharaj, he, um, he actually was quite young when he, if you remember way back in um, the fifth canto, seems like a kalpa ago, <laughs> Uh, when, when he was young, you know, he, he left, he gave up his kingdom when he was young and he was glorified for that, like anything. And even though he, you know, had his challenge with the, with the deer and then became Jada Parata, um, he, hearing about him is so auspicious that at the very end of that, um, pastime, I think it's at the end of the 14th chapter of the fifth canto, either 13th or 14th, I think it's 14th, um, it says that you know anyone who hears about Bharat uh, Maharaj becomes greatly exalted because um, he was such a great soul. So when when kings are true Raja Rishis, they're they're greatly glorified in the Bhagavatam and by uh, devotees. Text number nine. Lord Manu said, "The supreme living being." has created this material world of animation. It is not that he was created by this material world. When everything is silent, the supreme being stays, stays awake as a witness. The living entity does not know him, but he knows, but he knows everything. Now, what we're going to be learning here is that, although in the purports, Prabhupada will naturally, uh, as he always says, bring this up to Krishna, the supreme personality of Godhead, what is being discussed here in these verses is the Paramatma, uh, as I think we learned in the next verse. Within this universe, the supreme, yes, the supreme personality of God in a super soul feature is present everywhere, wherever there are animate or inanimate beings. Therefore, one should accept only that which is allotted to him. One should not desire to infringe upon the property of others. Mm. So, um, in the purport around the third paragraph. Swayambhuvamanu instructs that whatever exists, now listen to this, this is very interesting and important, uh, not only in the spiritual world, but even within this material world is the property of the Supreme Personality of God, who is present everywhere as super consciousness or the super soul. As confirmed in Bhagavad Gita, and then this is very much a super soul verse, Shetra Gyam, in every field, in every, in other words, in every body, the Supreme Lord is existing as the super soul. And 
one sentence down, we should not think that we are independent. Rather, we should understand that we are allotted a certain portion of the total property of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. So this is very similar to the version the Isha Upanishad, right? That um, don't become stena eva saha, a thief that, that collects more than is required. Now, what that is may differ naturally according to our karma and where we were born and all of that. But the idea is that everything belongs to Krishna. We, leave, we begin with nothing. We leave the world with nothing. And, and then Prabhupada says, this understanding will lead to perfect communism. But an interesting statement because we're hearing about, you know, uh, systems of government. So communists think in terms of their own nations. But the spiritual communism instructed here is not only nationwide, but universal. And that means of the universe, not just, yeah. So communists, of course, they've had trouble. Uh, communism, um, you know, has had the problem of... Um, Everyone's equal, except if you belong to the Communist Party, you're more equal, right? It's just like it was an animal farm. All animals are equal, but some animals are more equal than others. If you read that famous book by George Orwell. Um, but the idea, the, the pure idea of communism, right, is uh, if I understood correctly, I, I didn't have time to research it, but everything belongs to the state. Is that right? And anyone know more about or can research it but uh here we say everything belongs to krishna nothing belongs to any nation or to any or any individual person everything belongs to the supreme personality of godhead everything 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 mm, right you know we, we we told that joke many times before about the person who challenges god that he thinks you know i can i'm just as good as you and so they, he challenges them to make a uh, sandcastle. I can make one just as nice as you. And they say, ready, go. And the guy goes to start making the sandcastle. And, and God says, wait a second. I created, that, I created that sand. You can't use that. You have to create your own sand. <laughs> you know? Everything belongs to, uh, to the supreme personality of Godhead. <clears throat> and then Paul says, the Lord is not a create. Well, let's, let's stick to this before we get into that. So any thoughts or questions on this point that that the, and the Isha Upanishad makes this also clear that um, we can accumulate things in this world, but that with but we have to have the understanding that ultimately everything belongs to God, and we take what we need and not what we greed, so to speak. Right, and and it's again become worse. You know, where what is it? You know, the one percenters in America. Uh, have more than what is it you know some huge percentage of the rest of the people you know <clears throat> and things like that so it's become more and more um greed has become yeah increasingly so any questions or thoughts on this point that everything and how easy it is to how easy do you find it is in your own life to practice this and to um, separate the need from the greed, so to speak, you know, or, and greed may be a strong word. It is a strong word. Uh, as devotees, we may not be greedy in that sense, you know, driving around with Maseratis or something like that, or, you know, um, McLarens, but 
um, we are living in the material world. When we go on the internet, where even when we go to you know uh, a news site, we get bombarded with advertisements, and you know the uh, twenty-five best necessities from Amazon this year, you know whatever, all of those things that you may see, um, and how easy is it to separate what we what we want and using and also because we have a philosophy this is mentioned later in another purport that everything practically speaking can be used in krishna's service right so in one sense for a pukka gani a real gani this really isn't much of an issue they go off to the forest they perform austerities they they you know they don't have any possessions but our philosophy is that we can use everything in Krishna's service, right? And so, for example, here, everyone either has a, a, a smartphone or a computer or else you wouldn't be able to connect right now, right? <clears throat> so, and some of us, you know, we have two, one for work and one for uh, yeah. personal use. Yeah. Um, and, and there are also, also it has, be, because collecting has become such an issue now people that that one i think she's japanese that one woman and and, and this whole like the whole mood towards uh of, of some people towards minimalism right and how how uh, liberating the feeling is of liberalism a uh, minimalism right so these are all things that we may think about in our application of krishna consciousness in our day-to-day -day lives so some thoughts, questions, comments on, on this point? Well, I don't know how deep you want to go, but I think it's virtually impossible to separate the need and the greed. Really? Yeah, because at in the last uh, purport, which we didn't cover, okay. the second, it's one paragraph, but the second half is almost like poetry. And he says that really you're, you're dreaming all the time. You're dreaming when the world is uncreated, right? Right. And you're dreaming when the world is cre uh, is created, right? Because you don't have Krishna consciousness. And you're during your dream of where you're not Krishna conscious, at night you're in another dream. So he says you're always in a dream. So basically <laughs> we're like sleepwalkers, <laughs> right? <laughs> if we're not Krishna consciousness. And and the only time when you when you become a little bit Krishna consciousness, then you're like upgraded to like a sleepwalker. They used to have all these <laughs> stories. It used to be a big thing about what people would do. They were sleepwalking, sometimes even get out and drive their car and they have no memory of it. Right. So, wow. so even no matter what we do, we're really, until we become Krishna conscious, we're really just sleepwalking through life. Mm. We don't even yes. know what we're doing. So that's yeah, kind of deep, but yeah. That, well, that's deep. No, problem. I'll just read it. In the material condition of all living entities, there are three stages of dreaming. When the material world is awake and put in working order, that this is a kind of dream, a waking dream. When the living entities go to sleep, they dream again. And when unconscious at the time of annihilation, when this material world is unmanifested, they enter another stage of dreaming. At any stage in the material world, therefore, they're all dreaming. In the spiritual world, however, everyone is awake. Right, so that's, yeah, so you really brought it up to the uh, existential level there. Um, yes. Sorry, Prabhu, please go no, ahead. Go ahead, Chakshi Gopabhu. So I, I was 
contemplating the same same way same way as, uh, as Andy mentioned and Tiprabhu mentioned. So need and greed is it something um, re- very closely related to the Varnashrama that based upon what which ashrama you are in? Uh, and I know we are like devotees, uh, Vaishnavas, uh, but like even in Vaishnavas, we have basically like, you know, someone will have Kshatriya quality and we use in the service of the Lord. Uh, but again, is there is anything relationship there? Just want to get clarification. Well, sure. Uh, because uh, a brahmachari has very few possessions, right? And literally, you know, we translate Krihasta as householder, <laughs> one who holds a house or an apartment. And, and that naturally has amenities in it, right? There's a there's a bed or a place to sleep. There's a kitchen. There's this. There's that, right? So naturally, there's um, and then there, if, if there's if there's children, then there, you know, so there's their education and there's paying the bills and yeah, naturally, it's it's very much like that. And if we're talking about modern times, hopefully we are in a country or in a situation where either we've been able to put aside some money or there's a pension plan so that we can realistically enter more of a vanaprasta situation where you start getting prepared for death and start um, relinquishing some of those uh, things that we've accumulated over the years of Grihasta life. You know, the children are off. Well, in, in our in, in modern society, the children are off on their own by then. They, you know, and they have started a family of their own. And of course, in, in, in India, even today, or in, you know, there might be the extended family, right? Where, uh, where you still live with your, your parents and things like that, your children and things like that. Um, and, and of course, sannyas again is meant for, um, no, no personal possessions, although again, using everything in Krishna's service. So yes, you're right. There's different, there's different, uh, and, and Prabhupada would say different things at different times. I brought this up before that in, in the Nectar of Devotion and the preface, he, I, should I find the exact uh, wording? But he, um, he talks about not, you know, um, I hope I can find it quickly. Uh, such a nice Krishna um, Krishna. Uh, oh, here we go. Um, the root cause of our dissatisfaction is our dormant is that our dormant loving propensity has not been fulfilled despite our great advancement in the materialistic way of life. The nectar of devotion will give us practical hints how we can live in this material world perfectly engaged in devotional service, and thus fulfill all our desires in this life and the next. And then here, listen to this. The nectar of devotion is not presented to condemn any way of materialistic life, but the attempt is to give information to religionists, philosophers, and people in general how to love Krishna. One may live without material discomfiture, but at the same time, he should learn the art of loving Krishna. So you see that without material discomfiture, but learn the art of loving Krishna. That's very beautiful, Prabhu. But uh, you know, without the discomfort, like nobody is coming to Krishna. With, like you know, four people, four people, four type of people come to Krishna. Like I, I see, ninety-nine percent of the people are distressed. You know, so Jnani Jignashu and 
Yeah. Those people like don't see it much. Right. Yes. Yeah, it's a beautiful preface. Beautiful preface. Uh, anything else on this point? So then the next point uh, is taken from the translation, but also Prabhupada repeats it here. The Lord is not a creation of our intelligence. Rather, he has created us. <laughs> That's quite a meditation. Um, he, because some people will say, right, that God is just a figment of our imagination. We needed something to believe, you know, the whole uh, agnostic or atheistic viewpoint. And then the next set, uh, two sentences later, one should learn from the Vedic literature that one's body is not the property of the individual soul, but is given to the individual soul according to his karma. Hmm. So imagine that thinking that thinking that our body is not our property, <laughs> but it's a gift given to us because of our previous karma. And, and then Prabhupada continues this uh, in the next paragraph. The Lord is so merciful that he gives the living entity the opportunity to enjoy varieties of desires in suitable bodies, which are nothing but machines. Yantra rudhani mayaya. These machines are manufactured by the material ingredients of the external energy, and thus the living entity enjoys or suffers according to his desires. This opportunity is given by the supersoul. So the supersoul arranges the bodies that we get. Um, and then he goes on more. Everything belongs to the Supreme, and therefore one should not usurp another's property. Right? We shouldn't be thieves. We have a tendency to manufacture many things, especially nowadays we are building skyscrapers, or probably call them skyscrapers, right? And developing other material facilities. We should know, however, that the ingredients of the skyscrapers and machines, so the ingredients for the actual skyscraper and the machines that help build them cannot be manufactured by anyone but the Supreme Personality of Godhead. The whole world is nothing but a combination of the five material elements. A skyscraper is a transformation of earth, water, fire, earth, uh, and water. Uh, oh, wait, wait. Uh, and fire. Earth and water are combined and burnt into bricks by fire, and a skyscraper is essentially a tall construction of bricks. Although the bricks may be manufactured by man, the ingredients of the bricks are not. Of course, man as a manufacturer may accept a salary from the Supreme Personality of God. So imagine that if you think of the things that you need in this world as a salary given to you by Krishna. <laughs> that is stated here, Tena Taktena Bunjita from the Isha Upanishad. One may construct a big skyscraper, but neither the constructor, the merchant, nor the worker can claim proprietorship. Proprietorship belongs to the person who has spent for the building. Supreme Personality of Godhead is manufactured water, earth, air, fire, and the sky. And one can use these things and take a salary. There's the word salary again. However, one cannot claim proprietorship. This is perfect communism. Our tendency to construct great buildings should be used only for, the cons for constructing large and valuable temples in which to install the deity of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Then our desire for construction will be fulfilled. So I, I knew this devotee who had a um, business 
And he considered Prabhupada the owner of the business and he was an employee. So he took a salary from business, but the profits uh, went to to Prabhupada and he would send checks to Srila Prabhupada regularly. So that's kind of here that we know we, we imagine if we think, you know, what we have, oh, that's a salary that Krishna has given me. <laughs> really interesting purport here. Uh, very much connected to Isha Upanishad. Any uh, thoughts, questions, comments? Hare Krishna Prabhu. Yes, Nani Mukhi. It just uh, remind me of the relationship between Bharata and Rama. When who, Rama was what? Like, who and who? Bharata and Lord Rama. Uh-huh. When Lord Rama was exiled in the forest, and Rama ruled Ayodhya for, uh, Bharata ruled the kingdom for Rama's sake, and he considered Rama as the king, and he is the servant of the king. Right, I think he installed his shoes, right? As the, and they, yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Nice. Very good. Good. Very sweet example. And, and the, the idea also is that it just as we, the perfect example, because what you're saying, it was, it was, it was based not just on circumstances, but based on love, based on bhakti. And so similarly, it's, you can really do this, think yourself getting a salary and thinking of Krishna as, you know, the, uh, the, the, the source of everything when, when we have some devotion for Krishna. Otherwise, it becomes like, oh, you mean I can't own this? I can't have that? Krishna's so mean. You know, it's not like that. It's uh, out of devotion to Krishna, we want to have the right kind of relationship with him, with his material energy, etc. Yeah, great example. Thank you. And Prabhupada says at the end, very interesting, in Krishna consciousness, we are getting sufficient money, but we should never think that the money belongs to us. It belongs to the Supreme Personality of Godhead and should be equally distributed to the workers, the devotees. That's almost like a communistic idea. So used to maintain the devotees and of course all the aspects of Krishna consciousness. Okay, shall we go on? We're going up to verse 13. Although the Supreme Personality of Godhead constantly watches the activities of the world as super soul, no one sees him. However, one should not think that because no one sees him, he does not see, for his power to see is never diminished. Therefore, everyone should worship the super soul, who always stays with the individual soul as a friend. The Supreme Personality of God has no beginning, no end, and no middle, nor does he belong to a particular person or nation. He has no inside or outside. The dualities found in this material world, such as beginning and end, mine and theirs, are all absent from the personality of the Supreme Lord. The universe which emanates from him is another feature of the Lord. Therefore, the Supreme Lord is the ultimate truth, and he is complete in greatness. The entire cosmic manifestation is the body of the Supreme Personality of God of the Absolute Truth, who has millions of names and unlimited potencies. He is self-effulgent, unborn, and changeless. He is the beginning of everything, but he has no beginning. Because he has created the cosmic manifestation by his external energy, the universe appears to be created, maintained, and annihilated by him. Nonetheless, he remains materially inactive. 
situated in his spiritual energy and untouched by the activities of the material energy. So this is, again, focusing primarily on the super soul, although as we see here in the purport, Prabhupada is going to bring it to Krishna um, and his holy name. Um, the super soul, one way to see the super soul is uh, super soul has qualities, but not as much personality as a supreme personality of Godhead, Krishna. Um, but and Brahman has no qualities, is quality less by, by definition. So you see this progression from no qualities to qualities, but not much personality to the supreme personality as Bhagavan. And so in the purport, Prabhupada, like I said, um, is talking about chanting Hare Krishna. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu saw, says in the Shikshastika, Nanamakari Bahudha Nijasarva Shakti. Supreme Personality of God it has many names, which are all non-different from the Supreme Person. This is spiritual existence. By chanting the Hare Krishna Maha Mantra, consisting of names of the Supreme Lord, we find uh, that the name has all the potencies of the person. That's a nice meditation. By chanting the Hare Krishna Maha Mantra, consisting of the names of the Supreme Lord, we find that the name has all the potencies of the person. The Lord's activities are many, and according to his activities, he has many names. He appeared as the son of Mother Jashoda, and also as the son of Mother Devaki, and therefore he is named Devaki Nandana and Yashoda Nandana. So that's about the chanting. Then in the next paragraph, a very interesting point is made. Although the material and spiritual energies both belong to the Lord, he is impossible to understand as long as we are in the material energy. And when we come to the spiritual energy, it's very easy to know. <laughs> so, like, really, it's impossible, and it's very easy, right? It's like, It's impossible to overcome the material energy. And then at the end of the verse, but one who surrenders to me can easily cross beyond it. <laughs> so, impossible, easy. As stated in the Bhagavatam, uh, Mayam vyudhasya chit chakya kaivalye stita atmani. That's from the seventh chapter of the first canto. Although the external energy belongs to the Lord, when one is in the external energy, mama maya dharatija, he is very difficult to understand. However, when one comes to the spiritual energy, one can understand him. And that's why, you know, again and again and again, you hear devotees giving a class, you read Prabhupada's purports, and they're always telling us to hear and chant about Krishna and focus your life on hearing and chanting about Krishna, because that is being in the spiritual energy, chanting Krishna's name, trying to avoid the offenses, reading the Prabhupada's books, um, that puts us in the spiritual energy. And then we can understand Krishna. We get a taste. We get a higher taste. We, we get realization. We, 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 and, then we, and then when the mind is saying, no, I'd rather go to sleep. No, I'd rather watch TV show. I'd rather do this. Um, if we don't do that, but we take shelter of hearing and chanting, then Krishna, we, we start, under, we have some higher taste. We have some realization. Otherwise, if we just are always taking shelter in one way or another of the material energy, and we're not plugging into the spiritual energy, and then what's very easy to know Krishna becomes really hard to know him. 
it becomes much more theoretical. You know, we may have been a devotee one year, five years, 10 years, 20 years, 50 years, whatever. Um, it, it becomes theoretical if we're not, or as George Harrison said, it's tasting the outside of the jar of honey. But it's so easy to do if we just, you know, expose ourselves to the Krishna sun, right? Just like, you know, you know you, you're not going to get a suntan by staying inside. You have to go out and expose yourself to the sun. Even though the, that at the very end of the purport, even though the people of the world have forgotten God, it may say that God is dead. This is not a fact. One can understand God when one takes to the Krishna conscious movement and thus one can be happy. So some thoughts on this verse and purport. No? Okay. Be that way. <laughs> Then we're going up to, I think, the next homework assignment was, oh, the next verse. <laughs> Not going very far. <clears throat> Therefore, to enable people to reach the stage of activities that are not tinged. This is very interesting translation. <clears throat> Therefore, to enable people to reach the stage of activities that are not tinged by fruit of results, great saints first engage people in fruit of activities. But which are, by the way, it doesn't say here, but are regulated by the karma conscious section of the Vedas. For unless one begins by performing activities as recommended in the Shastras, one cannot reach the stage of liberation or activities that produce no creation. So what's being explained here is this gradual process of going from uh, the, the yoga ladder, basically, of going from one uh, one is performing, one still wants material enjoyment, they're, but they're following the Vedas to do that. So they start to accept the Vedic authority. And then gradually um, the, the, the expert teacher leads the person to um, from fruit of activities in this life to fruit of activities that are, that are in the next life. And then you get the idea that I'm not this body, I'm the soul that goes to the next life. And then ultimately to understand that fruit of activities of all kinds are not the goal, as mentioned, the Upanishads, and then going from that kind of impersonalistic Upanishadic viewpoint to coming in contact with the devotee and practicing bhakti. <clears throat> so, and this is mentioned in the, so in the, about halfway down, it says, according to Vedic principles, Everyone must act according to his classification as Brahmana, Kshatriya, Vaishya, Shudra, Brahmachari, Grihastha, Vana, Prasta, or sannyas, Sannyasi. Everyone should progress toward perfection by acting in such a way that Krishna will be pleased. One cannot please Krishna by sitting idly. One must act according to the directions of the spiritual master for the sake of pleasing the Supreme Personality of God. And then one will gradually come to the stage of pure devotional service. So I'll read the next, and then we'll describe this. So then Prabhupada quotes 1.5.12, knowledge of self-realization, even though freed from all material affinity, does not look well if devoid of conception of the, abs of the infallible. So impersonal, yan, does not... Um, Farewell if it's not connected to Krishna. So and Prabhupada writes, Gyanis recommend that one adopt nice karmium, but by not doing anything, but simply meditating and thinking of Brahman. But this is impossible unless one realizes Parabrahman, Brahman, Krishna. Because how can you, Brahman by definition, as we said earlier, is quality less. 
how do you think about and meditate upon quality less? If one, if one, if there is no Krishna consciousness, any kind of activity, be it philanthropic, political, or social, simply causes karma bandana, bondage to material work. So in this very short paragraph, Prabhupada is really describing these three things, karma, jnan, and bhakti. Right? That karma is useless. If you, whatever activities, you get reactions. Jnan tries to say, yes, that's right. Activities are useless. So we try to become activity-less. But that is so hard to do. But bhakti is so easy. It has the conception of the infallible. So Prabhupada goes into a little bit more detail about this. That's because, let's say, I think I may have skipped it in the first paragraph. Uh, so yes, Prabhupada writes, generally everyone is attracted to hard labor for becoming happy in the material world. So that's karma, right? But although various activities are going on all over the world simply for the sake of happiness, unfortunately, only problems are being created from such fruit of activities. Therefore, it is advised that active persons engage in the activities of Krishna consciousness, which are called yagna, because they will gradually come to the platform of devotional service. So again, so the idea of activities mess us up. So someone might think, okay, I'm not going to perform any activities, become a gani, then I don't get all this karma. But that um, is very difficult to do. Uh, that's also mentioned in the 13th chapter of the Gita. But then Bhakti combines the two. It takes the, the knowledge of not this body and that this world is not for my enjoyment of the jnani and the activity of the karmi and puts them together, adds the ingredient of bhakti and, that's, and then you get activities in Krishna consciousness. And that's why Prabhupada would, you know, he said devotional service, not because sometimes if you just think devotion, it's, it, could, it seems a little idle. But devotional service, you actually do something, you pick up your japa beads, you, you read, you go out and tell people about Krishna, you do activity, you cook for Krishna, you do activities for Krishna. So even the Ganis or the yogis, Prabhupada quotes this verse from the uh, sixth canto, uh, sixth chapter of the Gita, that, that um, for the neophyte, for the beginner in the yoga, practicing yoga, they need to work still. Work is said to be the means. The ones who's already attained to yoga, one who is actually, they say that cessation of all material activities are said to be in the means. <clears throat> so that's the jnani, the yogi, right? But then Prabhupada quotes, one who restrains the senses and organs of actions, but whose mind dwells on sense objects, certainly deludes himself as a pretender. So it's not so easy to do this, to restrain the senses, become a jnani, because uh, the mind will often still dwell, dwell on sense objects. And then Prabhupada gives a solution that one should act for Krishna very seriously in order to become fully Krishna conscious and should not sit down to imitate great personalities as Haridas Thakras. Now he brings it to the to practicing devotees that they may also try to you know, just chant all the time. And, and I guess in previous ages, you were seen as uh, a great devotee if you did that. Right, because he would you get adjuration, probably would say in other places to imitate Haridas Thakur by um, by doing that. But the the fear is, and then Prabhupada gives the example of a devotee in Iskan who wanted to imitate Haridas Thakur, and I guess chant. I can't remember this this story, but it was in Mayapur. Um, and after fifteen days, he became restless and went away. 
So do not suddenly try to imitate Haridas Thakur. Engage in activities and gradually you'll come to liberation. So powerful purport. Questions, comments on this? Really? Nani Nuka, are you trying to say something? No, I guess not. Ajiva Tattva Prabhu put something in the chat. As I checked back the references from Puranas and it stated Swami Bhuvamana was born the first day of Brahma. Thank you. Okay. Then we will continue. We had one more verse that we're going to cover and then the rest of the chapter doesn't have um, purports. Um, let me see if there was one other thing I wanted to say. Okay. So text... 15. Supreme Personality of Godhead is full in opulence by his own gain. Yet he acts as the creator, maintainer, and annihilator of this material world. In spite of acting in that way, he is never entangled. Hence, devotees who follow in his footsteps are also never entangled. That's a, um, that's a real interesting point that's made in the fourth chapter of the Gita. That When we understand that Krishna is not part of this material world and he's never entangled in the material world, we get that quality of not being entangled, as it says here in the translation. And then 16, the Supreme Personality of God, Krishna, works just like an ordinary human being, yet he does not desire to enjoy the fruits of work, unlike us. He is full of knowledge, free from material desires and diversions, and completely independent. As the supreme teacher of human society, he teaches his own way of activities, and thus he inaugurates the real path of religion. I request everyone to follow him. And Purpur, uh, the first paragraph, so beautiful. This is the sum and substance of our Krishna conscious movement. We are simply requesting human society to follow in the footsteps of the teacher of Bhagavad Gita. Follow the instructions of Bhagavad Gita as it is, and your life will be successful. That is the summary of the Krishna conscious movement. The organizer of the Krishna conscious movement is teaching everyone how to follow Lord Ramachandra, how to follow Lord Krishna, and how to follow Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. In this material world, we need a leader for a monarch or good government. Lord Sri Ramachandra, by his first practical example, showed how to live for the benefit of all human society. He fought with demons like Ravana. He carried out the hours of his father, and he remained the faithful husband of Mother Sita. Thus, there is no comparison to Lord Ramachandra's acting as an ideal king. Indeed, people still hanker for Rama Raja, a government conducted like that of Lord Ramachandra. Similarly, although Lord Krishna is the supreme personality of Godhead, he taught his disciple and devotee Arjuna how to lead a life, ending and going back home, back to Godhead. All teachings, political, economic, social, religious, cultural, and philosophical, are to be found in Bhagavad Gita. One who has to, one who has to follow them strict. One has only has to follow them strictly. The Supreme Personality of God also comes as Lord Chaitanya, just to play the part of a pure devotee. Thus, the Lord teaches us in different ways just to make our life successful. And Swayam Bhuvamanu requests us to follow Him. So, beautiful purport about. Uh, Glorifying our predecessor, you know, Lord Ramachandra, Lord Krishna, Lord um, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Any thoughts on this point? Okay, then. Um, I hope you have all kinds of uh, 
interesting, wonderful New Year's resolutions. <laughs> I'm giving a talk actually at one o'clock on New Year's resolutions. I'm going to do it virtually because um, I'm being a little careful about the uh, Omicron virus. Um, but there are tricks. Uh, there are um, not tricks. Wrong. Wrong word. There are. One thing is to not have a laundry list of, of, of oh yes, from now on I'm going to do this, 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 but you know, build up slowly, like that. It's 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 an interesting uh, time um, of the year, um, and yeah, we 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 also talk about we you know we we focus more on our bruts during Kartik, right, and Prusha Tamas and things like that. Um, Nandimukhi, does that mean that the current day? Oh, uh, there you go, uh, Jiva. Here's another question for you from Nandimukhi. <laughs> does that oh. mean that the current day of Brahma is the first day of Brahma regarding verse 814? Now, it's not the first day of Brahma, but the reference is given that, uh, you know, Manu appeared on the first day of Brahma uh, as he started the creation. So the importance is that he started the creation. And Manu Samhita became the guideline for all the human beings from the very first day of Brahma. So uh -huh. those are also given in the Shastras. Sure. Uh, Brahma is more than 50 years old of his time. That's also no, his time for Brahmaprastha. Probably the longest Brahmaprastha in the history of the world. <laughs> I'm, I'm not trying to make fun of Lord Brahma, but Prabhupada mentions one place that... Uh, 50 is like Krishna tapping on the shoulder, right? Saying that, you know, you're going to die and start um, unwinding what you've wound up in this world Just gradually. And according to time, place, and circumstance and, and your personal situation, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, okay, so I guess we'll read, we'll read, mostly we're going to be reading translations um, for... The rest of this, or we could, uh, I mean, we could also just say that you read those on your own. Um, there are a few purports, but what it's basically doing is, uh, so Lord, so it just says, Sukadeva Swami continued, Swayambhuv Manu was thus in a trance, chanting the mantras of Vedic instruction, knowing as the Upanishads. So it was very kind of Gyan oriented. Upon seeing him, the Rakshasas and the Suras become being very hungry, wanted to devour him. Therefore, they ran after him with great speed. The Supreme Lord Vishnu, who sits in everyone's heart, appeared as Jagyapati, observed that the Rakshasas and demons were going to devour Swayambhuvamanu. Thus, the Lord, accompanied by his sons named the Yamas and by all the other demigods, killed the demons and Rakshasas. He then took the post of Indra and began to rule the heavenly kingdom. And in the Purpura Prabhupada says that sometimes uh, uh, Lord Vishnu will become Brahma or Indra if there's not a suitable person to occupy those posts. So even in the cosmic creation, sometimes there are employment issues. <laughs> right. Uh, and then going on more about, you know, the uh, Manus, the son of Agni named Swarochi. Uh, Sisa, Chisa, became the second Manu. His several sons were headed by Dumat, Susena, and Rochismat. During the reign of Swaroch, 
Chisa, the post of Indra was uh, assumed by Rochana, the son of Yagna, Tushita, and others became the principal demigods, and Urjva, Stamba, and others became the seven saints. All of them were faithful devotees of the Lord. So this, it's either coming up or we already passed that Prabhupada will mention that the Brahma is a position. It's a, it's a post. Not, so you'll be different personalities who accept that post, right? Just like we have different uh, prime ministers of India or different presidents of the United States. They're posts that are held by different people. And everyone calls them, you know, Mr. President when they're in that post, right? So they call them Brahma. Uh, Veda Sirsa was a celebrated Rishi from the womb of his wife, whose name was Tusita, came the avatar named Vibhu. Vibhu remained a brahmachari, never married throughout his life. From him, 88,000 other saintly persons took lessons on self-control, austerity, and similar behavior. That's a lot of disciples. O king, the third Manu Uttama was the son of King Priyavrata. Among the sons of this Manu were Pavana, Srinjaya, and Jagyahotra. So we studied Uttam, right? We studied uh, uh, about Priyavrata in the beginning of anyone remember which canto? Number five. Number five, yes. Right in the very beginning. Uh, Priyavrata. It's so, so interesting. If you remember back then, it was so cool because he wanted to remain a brahmachari. And um, Swayambhuva Manu wanted the same. Swayambhuva wanted him to rule the world. And Narada Muni wanted to remain a brahmachari. And Lord Brahma had to come in. And say no, no, we're gonna we're gonna follow Swambu. We're gonna make him. Uh, he has to rule the world. And even though he didn't want to do it at first, he totally accepted it because it was Lord Brahma who said it to him. Right? And and so we get we get that ruler um, Priyavrata. And then there was one descendant of Priyavrata. I can't remember. It was a grand grandchild or child who was ruling according to Vedic principles, but had some um, other desires in mind. And so he wasn't fully a pure devotee. Um, and then we get Bharat Maharaj, who was, of course, a great devotee. And, and the fifth canto goes on from there. <clears throat> but a very, very, you know, those, those first 14 chapters of the first, fifth canto are really um, interesting and wonderful to uh, read. So during the reign of the third Manu, uh, Pramada and other sons of Vashishta became the seven sages. The Satyas, Veda, Shrutas, and Bhadras became demigods, and Satrajit was elected to be Indra, the king of heaven. In this Manvantar, the supreme personality of God had appeared in the womb of uh, Sunrita, who was, the way, who was the wife of Dharma, the demigod in charge of religion. The Lord was celebrated as Satyasena, and he appeared with other demigods known as the Satyabratas. Satyasena, along with his friend Satrajit, who was the king of heaven, uh, Indra, so again, taking that post, killed all the untruthful, impious, and misbehaved yakshas, rakshasas, and ghostly living entities who gave pain to other living entities. The brother of the third Manu, Uttama, was celebrated by the name Tamasa, and he became the fourth Manu. Tamasa had ten sons headed by Prithu, Kati, Nara, Nara, and Ketu. So there, there's some famous names there. So we're going through this quickly, but these are all like famous people, you know, huge uh, devotees, huge Ghana, you know, huge people in the universe. 
during the reign of Tamasamuni uh, Manu, uh, among the demigods were the Satyakas, Haris, and Viras. The heavenly king Indra was Trishika. The sages in Saptarishi Tama were headed by Jyotir Dhamma. O king in the Tamasa Manvantara, the sons of Vid Vidriti, uh, were known as the Vaidritis, also became demigods. Since the, in the course of time, the Vedic authority was lost, these demigods, by their own powers, protected the Vedic authority. Also in the Manvantaras, the Supreme Lord Vishnu took birth from the womb of Harini, the wife of Hari Medha, and he was known as Hari. Hari saved the devotee Gajendra, the king of elephants, from the mouth of a crocodile. And we're going to hear about that later in this canto. There's all kinds of really, really um, amazing pastimes that we're going to be studying in this eighth canto. Uh, yeah, yeah, very, very. It won't be, it won't be, uh, we'll stay awake. We'll stay awake. King Prichit said, my Lord, Badrayana, Badrayani, we wish to hear from you in detail about how the king of elephants, so there it is, there's the introduction, when attacked by a crocodile was delivered by Hari. Any literature or narrative in which the Supreme Personality of God at Uttama Shloka is described and glorified is certainly great, pure, glorious, auspicious, and all good. And Prabhupada writes, the Krishna conscious movement is spreading all over the world simply by describing Krishna. We have published many books, including Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita, in 17 volumes, 400 pages each, as well as Bhagavad Gita and the Nectar of Devotion. We are also publishing Srimad Bhagavatam in 60 volumes. Wherever a speaker holds discourses from these books and an audience hears, this will create a good and auspicious situation, even on Zoom. Therefore, the preaching of Krishna consciousness must be done very carefully by the members of the Krishna conscious movement, especially these sannyasis. This will create an auspicious atmosphere. Sri Sutta Goswami said, O Brahmanas, when Prakshat Maharaj was awaiting impending death, thus responded, uh, thus responded Sukadev, wait, wait, O Brahmanas, when Prakshat Maharaj, who was awaiting impending death, thus requested Sukadev Goswami to speak, Sukadev Goswami, encouraged by the king's words, offered respects to the king and spoke with great pleasure in the assembly of sages who desired to hear from him. So this is, also, this translation is showing the power of good questions. Richard Morris said, wow, wait, 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 hold time out. What, what is this thing about the elephant? And then Hari saves him. I want to hear about that. And Sukadeva Goswami uh, was encouraged by this question. And so he offered respects to the king for asking such a good question. And with great pleasure, right? And he spoke with great pleasure in the assembly of sages. So we begin next week with the elephant Gajendra's crisis. And there's a whole bunch of things in the chat. Uh, well, not a whole bunch, but um, um, but any questions, comments on, on what we just read? And you see how it, we're almost using the, the um, genealogy as a way to talk about Krishna. Right, so Sukadeva Swami just mentions that Kajendra, the story of in passing about Kajendra, and then Prakshit Maharaj. So wait, 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 rope, rope, rope. Hold on, let's hear about that. So, any questions, comments? No. Okay. Um. So Swami Bhuvmano is the first Mano in the current day of Brahma, not in the first day of Brahma. Very good. 
that makes sense to me. Very good. So we'll end a few minutes early and we will begin with uh, chapter two, Krishna willing, next week. Thank you. Hare Krishna. Happy New Year and Hare Krishna. Yes, Happy New Year to everyone. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Hare Krishna. Happy New Year. Hare Krishna.